James Brogaccia, a qualified clinical nutritionist and naturopath who's passionate about showing people how they can live their happiest and healthiest lives. Through my business Evolve Nutrition and Naturopathy, I've helped hundreds of women, men and children listen to their bodies and elevate their health. Join me and my expert guests as we share all there is to know to evolve your health and live your best life. So get comfortable and get ready to learn. This is the Evolved Health Podcast. Welcome to the second episode of the Evolved Health Podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here again. Today I want to chat with you about food intolerances and allergies. If you listened to last week's episode, you'll know I have some experience with this topic. (laughs) Probably about 19 or so years actually. But I also specialise in this area as a practitioner. I've even written a course on one of the most common food intolerances there is, a gluten intolerance. So let's talk all about what it means to have a food intolerance, what the symptoms might look like, testing, treatment and much more. When I say food intolerance, many people these days know what I'm talking about. That hasn't long been the case though. Food intolerances are only in recent years really becoming believed, shall we say, by conventional medicine. If it wasn't an allergy, then their thoughts were it mustn't be food related. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not grouping all doctors together here. That's not the case. But there was little understanding about food intolerances and what actually occurred in the body as a result of it. Without scientific research, which there was very little of, There was not the knowledge and awareness. My story is a great example. I had to see an integrative doctor 18 years ago to be heard, to find somebody that would really listen to me when I believed that food was involved in my symptoms. So we've done a lot of learning since then and the acceptance, the knowledge and the advice for food intolerances has grown substantially. So what is a food intolerance? To understand that, we also have to talk about an allergy, to compare the two. Most of you by now will have heard of someone with an allergy to a food or even multiple food allergies. A peanut allergy, egg or dairy or seafood allergies, celiac disease, which is an autoimmune condition, but it's classed as an allergy to gluten. And it's not to be confused with a wheat allergy. And you might be sitting there thinking, what's the difference? A gluten allergy is an allergy to all sources of gluten. And a wheat allergy is only someone who is allergic to wheat. And they can still consume other grains which may contain gluten. You can also have an allergy to other substances, of course, like fur or pollen or dust, for example. With an allergy, though, it is an immune response that is immediate and can be life-threatening. A severe allergic reaction is called anaphylaxis and requires immediate intervention. Symptoms of an allergic reaction include itchiness, hives, skin swelling, an itchy rash maybe, shortness of breath which can lead to difficulty breathing, 
oral swelling, so a narrowing of the airways, oral itchiness and irritation, nasal congestion, headaches, and I've seen clients with only severe headaches, that's their only symptom. You can also experience nausea, cramping, vomiting, and even diarrhea. It's different for everyone. Symptoms are usually immediate from ingestion or contact, and that means within a few hours, but generally within minutes. Now, a food intolerance, on the other hand, also known as a food sensitivity, is also an immune response. I want to give you an example of that. So if you were somebody who was intolerant to gluten, it might be called a gluten intolerance or it can also be called a non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Now this is an immune response as I said, but it is measured or tested on a different immune marker. So what I mean by that is if you have an allergy it will be measured on an IgE response. And if you are measuring a food intolerance, you might be looking at an IgG or IgA response. So those immune markers, the IgE, IgA, IgG, they're all referring to an immunoglobulin response to those particular foods. The response, however, with an intolerance is not always as immediate and is not life-threatening. So they won't experience anaphylaxis. Signs and symptoms can appear within 30 minutes, but also up to a few days after ingesting the food that might be a trigger food or irritant for them. So it is more of a delayed response there are some similar symptoms between a food allergy and a food intolerance though. Common symptoms of an intolerance might include digestive symptoms. So things such as bloating, diarrhea and or constipation. So it can be one or the other or they can swing between the two. Could also be nausea, offensive flatulence abdominal pains or cramping, it might be headaches and migraines, mental fogginess, fatigue or lethargy, uh, even anemia, iron deficiencies and other nutrient deficiencies, irritability, especially I see this one in kids, anxiety or depression. You might find that you have weight fluctuations skin rashes such as eczema or keratosis pilaris which is those little bumps that you might often experience on your upper arms joint or bone feeling pain chronic stiffness uh, flu-like symptoms and in kids particularly a failure to thrive developmental delays or puberty delays and usually these are as a result of those nutrient deficiencies. So you can see there's many and varied symptoms that don't always occur together or are present immediately but are as a result of that immune system responding to a food item that's aggravated or irritated. Food intolerances typically 
didn't used to appear until somebody was in their 20s, but nowadays it's present more and more in children. What appears to happen though is that the food item can be consumed with little results until that imaginary line or intolerance level is reached and then the body starts reacting to it. The reaction will not always be noticeable to start with, but it can build, if you like, and go from being very mild and maybe not happening all the time to more moderate and even up to severe and start to impact your day-to-day life. Often I'll get clients that after I've asked them can recall feeling a little off after eating something particular or would get tummy pains often as a child. Whenever they had, say, a glass of milk, it was always just enough to notice, but it would never last long enough or it would never be severe enough. So they didn't talk to anyone about it or think anything of it. Now they're well aware and know that their reactions are getting much worse, much more common after they've eaten certain things, and they feel they have to do something about it. Whether that earlier onset of these food intolerances appearing for people is due to our diets, our food sources, or some genetic link with sensitivities more commonly found in relatives of allergy or intolerance sufferers, we just don't know. There's still a lot that's unknown around why people suffer with food allergies or food intolerances, why specific foods. They're still working on this information. So what can you do if you suspect you have a food intolerance? There are really two avenues that you can explore. You can trial an elimination diet which means that you can remove the food item for a period of time and look at how the body responds to that. This method can be a very good indicator of what foods might be triggering your symptoms, but (laughs) there are a few mistakes I see with people when they try and follow this method. One is the time they trial removing that food for. Often people will give it a few weeks and while it should show some improvement for them in that time, it doesn't allow for the body to heal or repair or reduce some of those symptoms significantly enough. And what you can find is some of the more chronic symptoms may still be present and people will mistakenly think, oh, it's not that food item, it's not really making huge difference for me but they just haven't given it enough time. Or the other mistake that I see with people making um, around elimination diets is not removing all of the sources of that food. So I might get clients that'll come and tell me that they removed bread and pasta from their diet, but they haven't actually removed sauces or other food items that contained it. They've cut out gluten but still eat oats or they don't eat dairy but can't give up the cheese. (laughs) I've seen and heard it all. (laughs) As I said, it's a good method but it does rely on you eliminating the food completely for accuracy. It is best to work with a practitioner for this reason so you do get that accuracy. 
And then there's testing. I have clients that love this option because they just don't have the time or energy for the longer elimination option. It is more expensive, but you get a clear answer from it. It takes all of the guesswork out of it, if you like. It's a blood test that measures two of those immune responses on a scale. So it's looking at IgG and IgA, but it can actually measure it on a scale of either mild to a very high response for each of those foods that it involves. So this is my favorite option because it really does get the answers clearly. I've got blood work that's actually looked at those immune responses and can give a clear answer on each specific food. And when I talk about my experience in the past, yes, I had gone through and done an elimination diet and gradually removed the things that uh, I responded to personally, but Eventually, when I was a practitioner, I did do this exact same test and it was very rewarding for me <laughs> to be able to get the results back and have clarification that the things that I had removed that I believed to be my trigger foods were in fact on the test and showing up with results for those items. So it was justification if you like <laughs> and you might be thinking that my results were influenced by the fact I was already avoiding certain foods that's not the case the test will still be accurate even with a food item absent from the diet or very heavily reduced so unlike the celiac testing you can do with your doctor you don't have to consume large amounts of gluten every day for a couple of weeks to get an accurate response if you have ever suffered with a gluten sensitivity or allergy, then you know how truly painful it can be for someone to reintroduce gluten into their diet in this quantity for this time. I do often get clients that come to me as well and they'll say that they have tested negative to an allergy test with their doctors or medical pr practitioners, but still feel like they struggle with that food item. And that's absolutely possible. Take gluten as an example. You can respond negatively to a celiac disease test, which is an autoimmune test, and it's actually measuring that IgE response, usually after testing the level of specific antibodies as well. But you can still have a food intolerance or an intolerance and sensitivity to gluten. It can even be a high intolerance for that sufferer and suffer more severe symptoms than someone with celiacs who has a low symptomatic picture. The treatment for a food intolerance is actually exactly the same as the treatment for a food allergy. The number one thing that you have to do if you have a food intolerance or a food allergy is to actually remove the food item. You also need to make sure that you actually remove that food ingredient in other sources, such as beauty products, shampoo, makeup, those kind of skincare things that might include that food item, as well as things like cleaning products. Until you actually remove 
all of the sources of that food item. You're not going to see the results that you want and you're not going to see those symptoms getting better or resolved. It can be tricky to work out those food intolerances and there can be other factors that can influence how you react to food, for instance, um, or produce some of those symptoms. And it can be things like environmental factors, stress factors. It can be your gut microbiome and how things are really benefiting or not benefiting your gut health. There can be a whole range of things that might be influencing how you are reacting to certain foods but when it comes to looking at food intolerances or sensitivities whichever you want to use and if it is or it isn't an allergy it's very important to work with a practitioner to really make sure that you are either a doing your elimination diet correctly and making sure that you have thought of all of the things that might contain your trigger food in them or B, if you get some testing done to make sure and to really clarify and know what foods work for you or don't work for you, that's going to be uh, so important to being able to really improve how you're feeling, really reduce or eliminate some of the symptoms that you might be feeling that have made you go down this path. So it can take time once you have removed those foods from your diet, it's you know, usually you can see some improvement within perhaps 10 days of fully removing your trigger foods from your diet. However, it can take months to really get proper full results once your gut has been healed and once those symptoms have been alleviated by removing the food that is creating inflammation and irritation in your system and then getting to see what life can effectively really be like when you're not suffering. There's been lots of information today for you to take on board and to see if this is something that you potentially want to investigate a little bit further. So we've looked at what food intolerances or sensitivities are and remembering that you can use those words interchangeably if you like. What the differences are between intolerances and allergies are, what the symptoms might look like and then the treatments that we might actually be looking at or the testing that we might use to investigate and reduce symptoms associated with it. All right, hopefully you found today's episode very informative. If you have any questions or want to work with me more on this, then please contact me. I'm more than happy to help. I mentioned briefly at the beginning of this episode my course. It's called the Gluten-Free Game Plan and it includes a wealth of knowledge on living a gluten-free life with tips and tools to avoid gluten, what's included on a gluten-free diet, loads of recipes, and much, much more. If this is something that you'd like to learn more about, you can email me at brooke at evolvednutrition.com.au. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. I hope you all have a great day and take care. You have been listening to the Evolved Health Podcast with your host, Brooke Archer. You can find me on your socials at Evolved Nutrition or go to my website, evolvednutrition.com.au to work with me, check out my programs, delicious recipes and so much more. Thanks for listening.